By now, most of us have noticed that there's a war on sex and identity in our society, and our kids are under attack. Parents, if you need resources navigating the lies and confusion that the world is projecting onto your kids, we're here to help. On March 9th, Firmly Planted Family is hosting By Design, a one-day conference for teens, parents, and youth leaders to share the why behind what God's Word commands about these topics. We're going to offer foundational human design and relationship principles from both a natural law perspective, and we're going to make the case for biblical truth by arguing primarily from God's word, which reinforces what the scriptures teach. You can learn more and get your tickets today at firmlyplantedfamily.org forward slash events. All right. You guys know how passionate I am that we become a voice in the culture. The whole reason that I started the Off the Bench podcast was to get you guys off the bench and onto the battlefield. And there is nobody more off the bench than my friend, Katie Faust. Katie is the founder and president of Them Before Us, a global movement that defends children's rights to their mother and father. She publishes and speaks and testifies widely on why marriage and family are matters of justice for children. Katie's going to be speaking here in just a few days, you guys, at the By Design Conference. She is straight fire when it comes to talking to teens. And she's joining me here today to talk about some really important things happening in the culture. You're not going to want to miss this interview. Stick around. This is the Off the Bench Podcast. And I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, thank you guys for tuning in today. As I mentioned in the intro today, we have a brand new conference coming here right to Firmly Planted Family. It is called By Design. We're going to be answering questions that teens are asking about human sexuality, about God's design for family. You guys can register by going to firmlyplantedfamily.com forward slash by design. This is going to be one of those events that I think is going to be so life-changing and so life-giving to you and your teen that we're inviting you to come from all over the country. You guys, there is a beautiful Hampton Inn and Suites right next door. You can literally, it's two minutes, you guys. It's a two-minute walk from the hotel to the conference venue. And I think this is going to change your life. Bring your youth pastor, bring your youth workers, bring your kids ages uh, 6th grade up to 12th grade. Or if you've got young adults in college, let's have a conversation about what God says is appropriate when it comes to human sexuality and identity. And I love this woman. You guys heard me the last time Katie Faust was on the show. I, I literally hung up And I told my staff, I'm like, that girl and I were separated at birth. I did not know how she did not get on my radar earlier, but I think we have Seth Gruber to thank for it. Uh, Either way, uh, Katie's here with me again today. Katie, my friend, welcome back to the show. Good to be with you. Um, You know, Heidi and I share something very similar in common, and that is that we are two conservative women who have not moved to Idaho. We still live in Washington <laughs> State. <laughs> that's because that's, true. that's because we are that's committed true. to making sure that the people that live in this state um, are going to be influencers of culture rather than influenced by culture, and that they ensure that their children similarly are the ones that are making an impact. And so we can and we should. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing the By Design Conference, because you know what you think about these issues, right? You've had a lot of time to study God's word about it. You're following different trending news and you're on Twitter and you're listening to great podcasts that are telling you what to think. And you know what? Your kids need it too. Your kids need Mm. it too. In fact, you know, you know the pressure, you understand the kind of messages that you're receiving that go against God's design, especially around sex, gender, marriage, and relationships. 
you are also probably striving to insulate your children from a lot of those different topics, but it's coming for them. It's coming for them. Even if you're homeschooling, even if you're in a sort of a rural area, the woke are seeking to evangelize and disciple your kids. And so one of the main reasons why we're doing the By Design Conference is because we want to fortify not just you. We want to arm your children with goodness, truth, and beauty so that they are able to fight back when the woke finds them, even if it's not at school, even if they find them through social media or an influential friend or a family member who might be slipping Mm. in the wrong ideas into your kids' minds. Mm. So honestly, I I don't want to be like too hyperbolic about this, but you need to bring your kids to this conference because the ideas out there that are so prominent in their world, they will destroy your kid. And you need to bring them to the place where they get the ideas that actually lead them to a flourishing life. Man, so good. And Katie, before we started recording today, uh, Katie had said to me, you know, I love doing these these uh, interviews and I love doing television and radio, but I come alive when I'm talking to teens. Why do you have such a passion for teens? Okay, I talk to so many people. I mean, I do so many <laughs> interviews. I'm, There's a lot of us that I, are just like, oh, don't make me do the teen thing. I'm not that good mm-hmm. at it. So when I find someone who's really good at it, I'm like, platform that woman. I, I love it. I mean, I'm on the advisory board for Jordan Peterson's new project, which you know we <gasps> hope is going to be the righteous inverse of the World Economic Forum. It's called the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship. So you know, I go to these conferences in London and I talk about talk to all of the people that are moving and shaking and the policymakers, and it's awesome. And Nobody asks better questions than teenagers. I love Mm. talking to the teenagers because for many of us adults, we're like, oh, we'll kind of run into it here and there. Maybe there's some challenging thing at our workplace where we're like, gosh, you know, do I put my he, him in the, in the bio or not? Kids are inundated for them. It is a matter of, they are desperate for these ideas. They're never abstract. It's always immediate. It's always, what do I do about this friend? I'm having this experience right now. How do I talk to my teacher? What do, how do I complete this assignment? But I love this person and yet I disagree with them. What do I do? I mean, I love teens because it is raw. It's direct. It's so immediate. They're so desperate and they ask the best questions as a result. And the best thing about teens is just like with your own kids, just in like in parenting, you can lecture all you want. You can present all the time. You can give them good books to read. But the times where it's going to make the most impact is when they have said, I have a question and you are ready to give them an answer. And so those opportunities happen a lot more talking to teens. I have found at conferences like this that are specifically structured to make sure that they're getting honest answers to honest questions in ways that don't just involve because the Bible said it. That's why. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do at the By Design Conference is not just, this is what God says about sex and marriage. We're going to do the, and this is why it's so good. You cannot walk away from this conference going, this aligns with like not just my bodily reality, but the social science, right? Economics, philosophy, natural law. I mean, everything about what God says in scripture is going to be validated by the why of his world. So really that's what the by design conference is going to do. We're going to talk about challenging things like friendship, marriage, same sex attraction, casual sex and a hookup culture, transgenderism, abortion. Um, But it's not just going to be, this is what the Bible says. It's going to be, this is actually what aligns with human flourishing. And, um, and here's why. 
Yeah, or as Thomas Jefferson would say, nature and nature's God. Like yeah. uh, April and I were just talking about this, and that podcast is going to air here in a couple of days. But you were telling me a little bit about April Weedlinger, mm. who is the CEO of Canavox. That woman, she did not toot her own horn, but I kind of wish she would have. She's kind of an extraordinary human being. Agree. Totally agree. You know, I started working for Canavox. Um, which is giving a natural law explanation to all these different marriage and family questions. Um, and Cana Vox is what made me well-rounded enough to feel like I could start a nonprofit that goes across the world to defend the rights of children in all marriage and family issues. Um, Cana Vox is spearheaded by April, who is formerly a lawyer at a super high-powered like New York law firm who had That's some easy. babies and said, you know what? I'm replaceable at my law firm. I'm not replaceable mm. in the life of my children. And then she took Boy. all of her um, legal acumen and said, "I'm going to, I'm going to invest in this movement, this um, Canavox movement." That I will tell you, you know, you get into a Canavox group because that's really what Canavox is. It's like reading groups for moms, dads, young adults, college age, um, pr- young professionals. And then I helped to designed the teen edition of Canavox for middle schoolers and high schoolers, you get into one of these groups and you're unstoppable. You know, you're just unstoppable. So, if, so could anybody have, like, so for example, could we have a Canavox group here at Firmly Planted Family where oh. they get together and they do the thing, right? We could do that. Oh, let me just say you should. And we will do that. Group. We will do that. Yeah. Okay. You I, should have a bunch every time, of Every time Canavox I get groups. done talking to you, you know, my staff was always like, oh shoot, you know, they run for the four corners of the building <laughs> I'd be like, hey, we're doing something else. And here's another thing we're going to do, right? Because we want to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. And you can't do it if you don't have the tools to do it with. And so that's what you guys are doing. And what I love about Canavox is it's getting off the bench for everybody. Not just, I think a lot of us go, I I don't want to be an activist. Well, I don't think I can start a podcast. Well, I don't want to get into politics. Right. Like there is a track and a lane for people that are like, I actually just want to be equipped I don't, I don't want, and that's the other thing I love about Canavox. It's not fight club. It's not like everybody yeah. gets together and fight. You get together with like-minded people. You study these issues from a natural law top, from a natural law perspective. You just become an expert. And then you take that into your, to your realm, into your world, into your areas of social influence, whether that's well, isn't your Isn't it biblical class. though, Katie? Mm-hmm. Being This is part of being prepared to give an answer. Yes. And I think that's really what you're doing is you're saying, we're going to help you give an answer. So whether it's your kids who are asking you a question or somebody you meet at the grocery store or the girl who does your hair, Yes, right? You yep. can engage in meaningful conversation that's not combative, yep. but it's arming you with truth. And as April rightly pointed out, the truth is on our side. Yeah. The truth is on our side. And eventually the truth will come, the truth will come forward. And we're just mm-hmm. giving you guys the tools to be able to do it. You are in so many uh, areas of culture right now. And one of the reasons I so admire and love you is that you, like me, are in a very liberal part of the country mm-hmm. and God's at work. Yep. God's at work. So, you know, I'm always telling people, listen, you know, you guys can whine and cry if you want to, but we all know the problems. Let's start focusing on yep. solutions. And I think you and I share that passion in common. It's why Firmly Planted Family exists and the Homeschool Resource Center is here. We are about solutions. And yet these things keep cropping up and people are afraid, but good things are happening. Tell us a little bit about what just happened in Alabama, because I haven't had much of a chance to talk about it on the show yet. Yep. Good. So, um, you know, I am very passionate about, there's two things that I really care about in life. 
um, when it comes to what is going on in the woke world and raising my kids in Seattle and they largely go to public schools. I am very, very passionate about don't touch my kids. Leave my kids alone. <laughs> Get your hands off my kids. As you should yeah. be. <laughs> and the way that we have dealt with that is through massive intentional worldview training. And so I wrote uh, my second book, Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City. It's like that parenting philosophy. If you are in a wildly liberal area or if you are homeschooling your kid in a small town in South Dakota, you need to equip your kids. So I'm very passionate Absolutely about that. Absolutely true. But the other thing I'm really passionate about is when it comes to the cultural, legal, and technological shifts taking place in our country today, I'm very passionate about don't touch the kids of the world. Leave them alone. Like protect their right to life, protect their right to their mother and father, protect their innocence, protect their physical bodies. So I also run a nonprofit called Them Before Us, which focuses on that second lane of protecting children's rights in the family. And that means that we run afoul of an awful lot of fertility clinics and laws that are seeking to normalize mother loss and father loss through reproductive technologies. Surrogacy. And yeah, April and I touched on it. I was telling her the, I said, you know what? It used to be, you know, I heard about, I had a friend actually who had a a baby carried for her by a surrogate. Mm. This was a long, long, long time ago. But just like I've changed my opinion about education, I've changed my opinion about surrogacy. I basically said, listen, what we're doing is we're trafficking human beings. Right. We're saying we're going to create you for money. Yep. We're going to create you. And even if, even if, even if the reason is good, mm-hmm. right, we're creating human being and we're selling them. Yep. And if you've got That's questions, a problem. Yes. If you've got questions about that, I wrote an article at the Federalist a month or two ago called the conservative pro-life case against surrogacy. It is as tight, as hard, as fast as you as I could squeeze into like 1200 words into why <laughs> this is always bad for kids. It's always bad for kids. As many studies that I could squeeze in there contrasting surrogacy with adoption, which is a very important point to make. So I will tell you people, if you've got questions about surrogacy, conservative pro-life case against surrogacy is where you're going to get all your answers. But yes, like those reproductive technologies, unfortunately, there is a lot of moral confusion among conservatives and even Christians on the topic. And that was made very, very clear this last week when um, Alabama announced their the Supreme Court decided that Frozen embryos, the wrongful death of frozen embryos could be covered under the wrongful death statute in Alabama, in essence, saying that frozen embryos, they're people, they're people, they're human children, which you know what? They are human children. And that's you got to be kidding me. I know. That's yeah. why this yeah. is so important. No matter what Joy Reid is screaming and yelling. <laughs> right. So it's like we had this incredible decision from the Alabama Supreme Court probably one of the most important when it comes to recognizing the personhood of unborn children. And then we had all kinds of prominent Republicans coming out and saying, we are going to protect the right that adults have to IVF. Who would those prominent Republicans Mm, be, Katie? Well, I was sparring with one Carrie Lake on Twitter about it. And of course, the 45th president of the United States came out and said it as well. Now, Mm -hmm. Quick hit yeah. for you I guys. mean, I'm a fan. I think it's important, right? I'm a fan of, of of Donald Trump as a president. I thought for the most part, his policies were good. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly you could argue the country was 100% better off under the direction of Donald Trump, but he is squishy when it comes to the pro-life movement. He really is. He's squishy because he's not truly, and this people need to understand this, Donald Trump, who I will be voting for because he is going to be the guy. So I'm not trying to say I'm not going to vote for him. I just want people to open your eyes and it's mm-hmm. okay to say, 
there are things that we don't like, right? And so he's squishy on the pro-life uh, in a movement, really, because yep. he's not truly conservative in this arena. Right. He's not a conservative. He is a populist. That's right. And uh, I've talked about this before on the show. People don't understand it. Katie, what's a populist? Yeah, it's just somebody that does what's popular. That's what it is. Hey, Hmm. Someone that does what is popular, <laughs> and you know the nice thing is Donald then, Trump can read a room. That's exactly that guy, right. Yep, he can. It doesn't matter what. I mean, this is a superpower that he has, right? Mm-hmm. He can walk into a room of evangelical leaders and convince them that he is an evangelical leader. Right. He can walk into a room of squishy uh, pro-life. Um, supporters and convince them that he is as squishy as they need him to be. And that's kind of where he's at right now. Yep. On social issues, he is not strong. It really just depends on who is around him. And so I think that there were a lot of people that were around him in an administration that allowed him to do really incredible things. And I mean, I didn't vote for him in 2016. I would have crawled across broken glass to vote for him in 2020, 2020. you know, but and now you're right. I'll vote for him again, but it's not because he's incredibly principled. He's not. Right. Right. He's, he's in, he's a very shrewd businessman. He understands national security. He loves the country. He can certainly heal the economy, but if you guys are looking to have him guide you with Mm -hmm. any sort of moral compass at all, Mm -mm. I would say, put down your compass. That's exactly. (laughs) Just put down the Donald Trump moral compass and pick up the, the Jesus moral compass because Donald Trump is not your moral compass. Yep. That's right. So, you know, he yeah. came out and said, we have to protect IBF and same with several other prominent conservatives. And, you know, for those of you guys that are like, I don't understand what's the problem. The problem is only about 7% of babies made in a laboratory will be born alive. Okay. The problem is- So they're is like, not- they're frozen in perpetuity. It's, it's like creating a human being and not allowing that life yeah. to, uh, to actually develop as it should. When a human life is created, it should just begin to develop. That's the point. Right. Well, and honestly, the frozen kids are some of the luckier kids because the ones that don't make it to the freezer are donated to research. Or they are deselected because they're the wrong sex or they have the wrong hair color or they have the wrong eye color. And then they're just chucked. They're discarded. And so the ones that are premium babies, they'll get the immediate transfer into the womb, maybe their mother's womb, maybe a rental womb. You know, the big fertility doesn't really care. And then the ones that are sort of like on deck will be frozen. Sometimes they'll be used later, but a lot of times they'll spend their entire lives in a freezer. We've got embryos on ice that have been there for 30 years maybe more at some point. So this is not pro-life technology. I understand that there have been a handful. And when I say a handful, I speak all around the country on this. I've met my sixth person yesterday or the day before yesterday when I was speaking at a joint conference of the American College of Pediatricians and the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYN. So I was speaking at their conference um, in Dallas on Saturday. And I met the sixth person that I've ever met in my life who used these technologies in a way that didn't violate any child's right to life or any child's right to their mother and father. This is actually, And what do you mean by that? So wait, 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 wait. So, so what do you mean? So this is a six person. How did they use it in a way that didn't violate anyone's right to life? Okay. So the, the way that IVF works is you extract, you, you hyper ovulate a woman's, you stick so many hormones into her that instead of releasing one egg, She releases 10 or 20 or 30. And you do that laparoscopically, like you stick a needle in there. There's all kinds of medical complications to that woman. There's 
you can put her future fertility at risk. It is not a female friendly process, but you extract 20 eggs. Let's say you get 20, well, you get sperm from whatever man you want. Maybe it's the genetic father, maybe it's some donor. And then you One could argue the guys have the easier role in this as in all yes. things fertility. Well, that's exactly <laughs> right. Like sperm, sperm is fairly easy to access. It's not hard to get, right? right? Generally speaking. Uh, yeah. Eggs, much more challenging. Getting the womb, that's the hardest part. Getting mm-hmm. the available womb for nine and a half months. When you want to talk about the baby assembly process, ac- acquiring sperm, egg, and womb, the womb is the most challenging issue, which is why we sacred. see... Sacred. It, yeah, I know. Yeah, it like is. sacred things it, should it, it be it for is. sale. These, this is sacred space. I know. And we're like, hey, let's yeah. just rent this out. Let's just commercialize this business. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... Um, that's the thing is like IVF, you make all of those babies, maybe you make 20, it looks like 10 of them are viable, you discard 10 of them. And then you say, okay, well, we want a boy and a girl. So we implant a boy and a girl first, we'll freeze the other eight. Um, and then the boy and the girl are implanted. And the boys twin, now you've got triplets. And you're like, Oh, gosh, boy, triplets. That's ri-. I mean, IVF is a high risk pregnancy. Anyway, Tr- double mm-hmm. is high risk, then you get them to triple. Now you're talking about some you know, very, very high risk situations. And so then you selectively reduce some of the, you know, one of the babies, well, we just want one girl and one boy. So we'll selectively reduce that is abort between 12 and 20 weeks, the child that you don't want. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is that, that reproductive technologies is a survival gauntlet for children. And only about 7% of these babies are going to be born alive. You've got, you know, people like Paris Hilton, who have, she's famously said, I have 20. That is sick. It's sick. Mm -hmm. It's so sick. Yeah, 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 and then and then she's hurt, Katie. Right, she's, she's the victim. sad because she's, she's yeah. the victim. She's so sad because she was just so misunderstood. She I just know. doesn't want to do it. Katie. She's afraid. So she's so she's afraid. afraid. It's so so she so outsources sad. the yeah. pregnancy risk to an economically vulnerable woman and then starves her child of the maternal bond that they've been forming for nine and a half months. So it's just always the child. The kid's always going to pay the price. The ch- kid's always going to bear the cost yeah. for IVF, for using a sperm or egg donor, for using a surrogate. It's always adults insisting kids sacrifice for them. I think it's important to you know, it's all right to change your mind on these issues. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've talked to people all the time. I put myself in this category, right? Long time ago, I was very anti-homeschooling because I was like, who would do that? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's stupid. You guys have access to Christian schools if you need it, blah, blah, blah. Well, dude, I have changed my mind, right? Over the years, now that I watch how the woke left is just taking aim at five-year-olds, right? So I have very strong opinions about it. I also have a very, very precious person in my life who had triplets several years ago through IVF. She and her husband had, uh, and these are their biological children. So one of the uh, embryos that they implanted actually spontaneously split. And so she got two identical girls and a little boy and just Mm -hmm. precious, precious human beings. And so I don't, what I, what I don't want people to hear in this conversation is that was bad, bad decision, wrong, wrong, wrong. What I want people to start doing is thinking beyond the emotion of the situation, even if it's somebody that you know, and just go, is this good practice? Right. Is this something that we should be doing? Is there another side of it? Because Mm -hmm. we've so commercialized it. And Paris Hilton, I love that you brought her up, Katie, is a perfect example 
of a broken woman utilizing a broken system to further injure another woman and and uh, disintegrate the maternal fetal bond that naturally is there when a woman carries a baby. And what we've done is we've turned little babies into commodities. People are yelling and screaming about sex trafficking at the border, but we're doing it here. We're doing it in IVF uh, clinics all across the United States. If that's not sex trafficking and, and why, in this instance, we mean sex trafficking. Like, is, do you want a boy? Do you want a girl? Yeah. Do you want what color eyes do you want? We are trafficking these children. It's just yeah. in a different way. Absolutely. That's right. And, you know, I I was the former assistant director of the largest Chinese adoption agency in the world. And one of my responsibilities was ensuring compliance with international, national and state level legislation. One of the things that was important um, in terms of whether or not this was a legitimate adoption was ensuring that money never went from the adoptive parents to the birth mother. Because, mm. you know, we paid money when we adopted our son and we gathered money as the adoption agency in these situations. But it was never because the money was going from the people that were going to raise the kid to the people that birthed the kid. That's trafficking. That's categorically yeah. trafficking. And so there's- And that's prohib- what we're doing. And that's what we're doing. That's what big fertility is built on. It is built on direct payments to the birth mother, to the genetic father, and to the genetic mother. And all the fertility clinics right now all throughout Alabama are absolutely freaking out because if you protect children's right to life from the moment of conception, and if you were to say that we can't have direct payments to any of the third parties involved, you would the destroy people would, their business people wouldn't model. wouldn't do it. You That's would destroy right. it overnight. People would be like, hey, wait, what, where, where's my $30,000 payout? Right. Yeah. Right. Nobody will yeah. do this for free, but people yeah. will happily sell their children or rent their womb for money. And so, you know, in the adoption world, this is what we what we call baby selling. So this is interesting. I want to get your thoughts on this. So the mainstream media, of course, the legacy media, the woke media outlets, everyone is freaking out over Mm -hmm. this decision because what Alabama's Supreme Court essentially said is these are people. That's right. So let's actually stop and think about the fact that these are human beings. We would never, we wouldn't, we we don't want to see somebody trafficked, Mm -hmm. right? In real life, we've we've outlawed human slavery as well. We should uh, in this country. We are against racism, right? But this is a whole other issue uh, talking about human beings. And I want you to just listen to the opening of this article on on MSNBC because it's really amazing. Here's the headline. Uh, Alabama ruled frozen embryos are children. Here's what it could mean for embryos frozen across the state. When Krista Rumbly, a mother of four living in the Birmingham area, first learned about the Alabama Supreme Court controversial ruling on frozen embryos, her first thought was of her own. Rumbly, 44, says she has three embryos frozen at a local fertility clinic. When she faced secondary infertility after the birth of her first child, she and her husband turned to in vitro fertilization to expand their family. They welcomed twins from the procedure in 2016 and another child in 2021. But the process left three frozen embryos unused. So Rumbly and her husband are done expanding their family. So they've been storing the embryos until they can decide exactly what to do with them. It's so weird. If you were talking about a, a two-year-old, you know, right. we're just going to keep you on ice over here right. until we can decide what to do with you. That's People right. would freak out. Right. So she's saying, uh, the, it goes on to say, while it's unclear exactly how many frozen embryos are in Alabama, it's estimated that there are over 1 million frozen eggs and embryos across the United States, according to uh, TMRW Life Sciences. But the state's ruling has thrown the future of these embryos and IVF 
into chaos. Mm -hmm. What say you? Yeah, well, I said a lot about that. I just had an article come out in Friday's um, edition of the American Conservative, where I talk a lot about what this ruling means, not just for future embryos that are going to be created, but whatever embryos are currently on ice right now in storage. So um, I can't remember what they titled that. But if you go to the American Conservative and look at Katie Faust, I've got I've got quotes from fertility doctors talking about how, oh my gosh, we can't do business here anymore. And we actually put the numbers down in terms of how many kids are going to be affected by this. Right now, that number of 1 million is actually up to 1.5 million frozen embryos on ice in this country because we have just this rampant commodification of children um, where we are treating them not as the children that they are, but as designer disposable products. And and the result is 1.5 million kids in freezers. So this has incredible ramifications, not just for how you do IVF in the future, but for the real little lives that exist right now. And, you know, I was going back and forth with a fertility doctor on Twitter. Well, not back and forth. I was responding to her um, where, you know, <laughs> she was saying, you know, this is really imperiling our business in Alabama. And I was like, you know, if categorizing human children as full persons imperils your business model, why are you questioning the decision and why aren't you questioning your business model? I mean, isn't that Come the real on. problem here? But yeah. you don't understand. Like, this is one of the most lucrative wings of the medical world because it's almost all it's transgenderism. Same yes. thing. It, yeah, I mean, look right. what's happening to our little people. By the way, you just rightly pointed out at the beginning, you know, I think maybe before you and I were even recording all of these things are not injuring adults. Yeah. Everyone should just shut up and listen yep. for a second. We're injuring children. The mm -hmm. transgender movement injuring, injuring children. Abortion going straight at little unborn babies. IVF turning kids into commodities. What's happening at the border? We're trafficking children. Right. Children, right. children, children, children. What's going on in our public schools with the radical alphabet soup ideology being pushed at every, every angle? children. Right. This is all aimed at children. Jesus said, if you cause even one of these little ones to stumble, you'd be better off to have a millstone hung around your neck and be thrown into the sea. And yet this is what we are doing every single day. These are the same arguments, Katie, that we hear from the radical pro-abortion lobby. And frankly, uh, Donald Trump, who said he's in favor of a 16-week ban. Well, who so, so before 16 weeks, that child has no value. Mm -hmm. So before 16 weeks, we can rip its arms and legs off of it and poison it inside of its mother's womb and inject yep. digoxin into its heart and stop a beating heart because we've determined through mm -hmm. the government that natural rights don't exist. And that's yep. really what this comes down to. Yeah, you're exactly right. I wrote an article a few months ago at World Magazine in their opinions section where I said, Christians need to return to their origins of child protection. I think there's a lot of churches that are like, oh, we don't want to get into the culture war issues. I'm like, mm, no, this These is like the are, original. They're moral of issues. These yeah. are moral issues. That's right. right. And that's anything, political. Oh, okay. Anything that has to yeah. do with child protection. I mean, if you look at the early church, I mean, they were rescuing the unwanted babies. You know, there was rampant like um, mutilation of children's gen, you know, genitals in the name of like creating eunuchs and things like that. I mean obviously all of the exploitation of children sexually that went on both little boys and little girls. Like, why was Christianity so powerful? Actually, there's some philosophers that say Christians invented childhood. 
Like they really had a new concept wow. of child protection in such a way that the ancient world, especially the Roman world, didn't even see children as children in a lot of ways. You know, the father decided whether or not the child would live or die. They didn't believe that a kid was actually like a full human until they could walk. But Christianity came in with this radical vision of who children are and the protection that they deserve. And it was manifest in the way that they formed families and maintained families and brought children in that were unwanted and protected their own disabled children and just dignified children in a new way. Every major issue, especially every major social issue going on today is something that Christians have got to think about through the lens of child protection, because that's what it is. Um, we have a wow. curriculum that's coming out in the next couple. If you go to thembeforeus.com, subscribe to our newsletter. We have so many projects coming, but one of them is a small group curriculum specifically for churches on how all these different issues of marriage, divorce, reproductive technologies, modern families, adoption, cohabitation, polygamy. If you hear about it in the marriage and family space, it's actually a matter of child protection. And so that's what our yep. small group curriculum is going to yep. aim at, talking specifically to Christians. God's design for sex and marriage is plan A for child protection. And if you deviate from that by making that union not permanent through no-fault divorce— reconfiguring that union to be a same sex versus an opposite sex relationship, including more adults in that union versus just the two. What you're really doing- Which is doing, where we're headed. Which is where next. we're headed. That's next. Yeah. Really what yeah. you're saying is, if you're going to compromise on what God says about sex and marriage, what you're saying is, I value my social acceptance above the rights and well-being of children. So just be honest about mm. what you're doing. Yeah. And that's, I think these are the hard conversations, but they have to be had. Mm -hmm. uh, I had the opportunity, I, would, I just came back from the National Religious Broadcasters Association Conference in Nashville. And so I spent most of my time there, three or four days, just being interviewed by different uh, different broadcasters. And it's amazing to see the, just now, I think, uh, more broadcasters are starting to wake up to go, oh, hey, these are issues that the church should be addressing. Yeah. But for so long, we were like, oh, hey, that's political. We just don't do that. Yep. When 99.9% .9 of these issues are not political, they're moral. That's the Bible right. addresses them. If the Bible addresses them, then where are the people of God? Right. We should be talking about this. And as we as we kind of move forward into this, now we're going to start having discussions about polyamorous marriages. We're going to be talking about, we're openly now discussing bestiality in the yep. culture, all of these bizarre things. And the reason is, is because we stepped away from mm -hmm. God's original design of marriage between one man and one woman and recognizing the preciousness of children. Right. And when we when we protect the hearts and minds of children via our education process and all those things, it is with the child in mind. And this is what honors the Lord. Mm -hmm. It honors the Lord. And so for, for churches especially, I know, Katie, your husband's a pastor. You guys have the same uh, passion for the church that my husband and I do. These issues belong in our churches, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I would say churches are the only ones that are going to be able to get this right. You yeah. know, every single issue that we're facing today, even beyond marriage and family, um, things like pornography, things like transhumanism, things like death with dignity, end of life issues. Um, right. oh, I mean, God. all of those things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Canada. Poor Canada. Oh, I mean, Canada. those guys, the Canadians, I have so many friends and lots and lots of listeners in, in Canada. They're now absolutely 
openly censoring what Canadians can even hear, what they can see, what they can hear. And you have to do this when cultures are under attack. So you move from freedom into socialism, socialism into communism. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. And they can't, they don't even have access to the news anymore, which is why I'm such a super fan of Tom or of uh, Jordan Peterson, Mm -hmm. because Jordan's out there going, you know what, take my license. You know, uh, I don't even care anymore because he recognizes that there are bigger things at play. Yeah, that's right. You know, and we see that massive censorship happening, I would say largely on social issues, because why, yep. why, why, why? Because, um, you yep. know, and here's, this is the lane where the church needs to be in. We have always had these major theological battles, you know, the first century, the question, the first, second, third century was, what is the nature of God? Like, that was the main theological yep. question. And we had councils about it. And we had heretics, you know, who said, well, it's not Jesus was kind of half God, half man. Yeah, people need to go back to the Nicene councils yeah, and yeah. start looking back to all these discussions that were being had. But that came through a lot of, I would say, cultural war, battles, friction. You know, we had fights. We had, I mean, it was it was very rough, right? And, and it was a battle of ideas. And it was all around what is the nature of God. Then you get, you know, fast forward to the Reformation. And there were battles. I mean, like war level. People died over the question yeah. of what is the nature of salvation, and what is the role yeah. of the church in the nature of salvation? And then we we settled that and kind of landed in two respective places, depending on whether you're Protestant or Catholic. But then today, and for the last hundred years, and I would say for the next hundred years at least, all of the questions are going to surround the question of what does it mean to be human? When does life begin? When does it end? Well, now Who we're going to be talking about transhumanism. That's right. I mean, you know, people think you guys think transgenderism is where this is ending. No, it ends in transhumanism. Right. And now we're going to decide where does where you know, what what makes a human? Can we put a human in a catatonic stage? Can yes. we can we move the consciousness of one human being into the body of another or yeah. maybe even put it into a machine, for goodness yeah. sake? I mean, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Follow follow a crazy Bill Gates around. Yeah. I mean, these are the ideas that are actually hitting the mainstream. And people say, oh, that's conspiracy. Katie, here's what I'm thinking. Right. So the conspiracy theorists, if we're going to do like a score scorecard, right, I feel like it's conspiracy theorists 10 uh, to the people who are like, oh, that's conspiracy zero. Because as it turns out, these things are happening and we Mm -hmm. need to be talking about them. Mm -hmm. I am so excited that you're coming. We're out of time for the regular show, but I'm going to have you come back real quick for happy hour, just like I did with April. And I love, I know it's happy hour. It's it's better. Mm -hmm. It's more better. It's more better. Uh, Katie Faust, you're a national treasure and I cannot wait to see you. Tell people where they can find you online. Thembeforeus.com is the place to go to follow our work. I am on Twitter way too much. So you can find me on Twitter. Um, my And I love that you don't call it X. What a dumb name for oh. a platform. I can't handle it. I understand the branding I, no one, advantage. but No like, one likes to say no, X. Nobody no one does. Twitter is just so much more mm-hmm. yeah, palatable. So I don't that's know, where you just, get all of my opinions. Our, our, them Before Us is on all the social media platforms and you should go follow us. But the main thing you need to do is sign up for the By Design Conference if you've got kids. Get there. You will not. It honestly could save you. It could save your kids. And I'm not saying save in a salvation kind of way, but we are going to give them the truth that they need right now. Do not think that they don't know. They do. Mm. The question is, who are they going to consider an authority on all of these topics? And it needs to be you, mom and dad, because you took them to a conference where you can then have follow-up conversations with them about it. Come on. I love it. I love it. People can register right now by going to FriendlyPlanetFamily.com forward slash by design. Katie Faust, thank you, my friend. I'll see you in just a few short days here at Firmly Planted. Great. 
For more information on my guest today, you guys know I'm a super fan of Katie Faust. Hop on over, follow her everywhere she is. If you want to see her uh, fired up, follow her on Twitter. And also she's going to be here speaking with the rest of the team from Canavox. I am so excited about this, you guys, because our children need answers. They need answers. We are called to give them the answers. This is a weekend that will equip them. And I know you guys are going to love it. Thank you so much for listening. If you are subscribed to the Off the Bench podcast, stick around. Katie and I are going to be dishing just a few more minutes. And uh, I know you're going to be encouraged by that also. We love you guys. Love your people well. I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.